Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by Panasonic Lumix Cameras, where form meets function. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by FreshBooks. They're the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. You can try FreshBooks for free. Just go to freshbooks.com TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section when signing up. This episode of TWIP is made possible in part by our newest sponsor, Animoto. You can head over to animoto.com slash TWIP and use the offer code TWIP to get 15% off an Animoto Pro account. This week on TWIP, it's a special roundtable discussion on the state of photojournalism. It's Monday, May 25th, 2015, and this is TWIP. And welcome back to TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Today, it's a special discussion focused on the state of photojournalism. What exactly is photojournalism? How has it changed over the years? And frankly, is it still a viable career choice? We're gonna tackle all that and more in this episode of This Week in Photo. But before we do that, before we jump into the show, I wanna thank our first sponsor for this episode, and that's our friends over at Panasonic Lumix Camera. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by Panasonic Lumix Cameras and the new Lumix FZ1000 4K long zoom digital camera. Now this bridge camera is a powerhouse for shooting 4K hybrid photography. You know, hybrid is when you mix stills and video. And this camera shoots at 4K in 30p. You can then, once you shoot that footage, you can later extract eight megapixel stills from the 4K footage, it's just crazy. And it features a large one inch 20.1 megapixel sensor. And it's got a bright Leica 25 to 400 f2.8 to 4.0 fixed lens. Let me say that again. That's a 25 millimeter to 400 millimeter at f2.8 to 4.0 lens. And it's a Leica lens, so it's super bright. Um, and it focuses fast with the Lumix depth through defocusing technology. So you get the long lens, long fast lens, and super fast focusing in this thing in one solid compact body. And if you add to all that the fact that this thing has a smartphone Wi-Fi app for remote control, if you got one kind of super package in one little package that you put in your bag, and you know this that that lens just blows me away at 25 to 400. It's just uh, it's a long you know what they call a super zoom. Plus it does all of that stuff in 4K. That means you can shoot everything from portraits to photographing lions in Africa from a safe distance and still get amazingly cool and sharp images, um, still images and video in 4K. Now you can learn all about this camera over on our All About the Gear show. Just enter FZ1000 in the search box on thisweekinphoto.com or you can head over to shop.panasonic.com or lumixlounge.com. Remember, Panasonic Lumix cameras where form 
meets function. And we'd like to thank Panasonic for their support of This Week in Photo. All right, folks, this week we've gathered together three Baltimore-based photojournalists for a special roundtable discussion on the state of photojournalism. So to set the table, recently on TWIP episode 411, Baltimore photographer Joe Giordano joined us to talk about his recent encounters with the Baltimore PD while covering the Freddie Gray riots. We've also covered stories about several large newspapers over the past years cutting costs by laying off their staff photographers and replacing them with photographers or reporters that are just armed with smartphones or point and shoots or whatever. So while we've spoken about the state of photojournalism in the past, we felt it was probably time for us to assemble a panel of experts who are working in the trenches every day and get their thoughts on the current state of photojournalism, get their opinions on where they think the industry is headed, and find out if they still believe that there's a future for photographers who want to make a living as photojournalists. So to tackle this topic with me are Baltimore photojournalist, Mr. Joe Giordano. Hey, Joe. Hey man, how are you? It's good, man. Good to get to hear your voice again. And uh, <laughs> I know, also, I'm on more now in the past two years. It's funny. <laughs> I know, right? Look, you see, you, you kick it up. All you need is a little uh, scuffle with the PD, and you're on TWIP all the time now. <laughs> nice. All right, I'll, I'll try to make that happen. <laughs> yeah, try not to make that happen. All right, we've also got DC-based freelance photojournalist Said Sirkan Garbuz. I hope I got that right. Did I get it right, Said? Perfect. That was perfect. Awesome. Yes. Just for the folks that are listening to this, I have a phonetic spelling here in the Google Doc that we're working from. <laughs> so I have a cheat sheet. Welcome to the show, Saeed. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Also, we have photojournalist Audrey Gatewood. Hey, Audrey, how's it going? Hey, good. Good to be here. Yeah, good to have you. And finally, last but not least, we have Baltimore-based freelance photographer, Mr. Matt Roth. Hey, Matt. Hey, how's it going? How's it going? It's going good. We've got a quorum here, man. I mean, if we can't get to the bottom of photojournalism with this this amount of horsepower on the show, then there's no getting to the bottom of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and just 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 to set the stage here, this is a you know this is a roundtable discussion. So it's like a free exchange of ideas and and disagreements and agreements and whatever. So just feel free to interject and jump in whenever you feel you don't necessarily have to wait for me to prompt you, although I will, I will guide the conversation. So let's, let's kick it off. And Joe, since you, are, you were kind of the catalyst and the inspiration for this show, um, let's kick it off with your thoughts on the definition or description of what photojournalism is. Like, what is it to you? Well, to me, it's, um, you know, I, I practice a type where I try to, um, to show the public things that they wouldn't usually see. In other words, I, I stay I, I stay local. Um, I don't know what I can contribute by you know fly, you know flying into Ferguson or flying into now Cleveland. So what I try to do here is I, I try to do photo stories uh, like on the homeless, like um, youth heroin, which is I'm going to start working on that pretty soon, and some other stuff that I, I can't really get into uh, publicly yet. But um, so that for me that's the definition of photojournalism. It's it's a, a, a a genre of, of photography that really helps people see the world. Yeah. Okay. So, so expose people to, to things that they wouldn't ordinarily be aware with, aware that's, of, right? Right. That's correct. And Matt, what about you? What do you think? What, what is photojournalism to you? Well, so photojournalism, like to me, is it my experience or like in, in an abstract? Or either or. Just like when someone says photojournalism to you, what does it mean? Like some people will say 
you know it is the idea like like joe's saying it's the idea of of exposing people to things that they may not have been exposed to before some say it's telling stories through pictures Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. what what do you think oh yeah well those are all i would agree with all those there's a lot so a lot lot of ways you can describe photojournalism under an umbrella uh it's a it's a kind of vocation in the um in the world of photojournalism i'm not gonna i i can't disagree with joe said because i totally agree with what joe said but it's also a way that uh people make money <laughs> so like it's true i mean like a little bit of money you know like a, a, uh, a little bit a very little bit <laughs> like something you can go to burger king with you know um it's, it's like under the umbrella of editorial photography you know there's editorial there's commercial and then there's retail photography and then there's all the little things underneath each umbrella so like it's it's part of photo photojournalism is part of editorial photography this is the way i understand it anyways love it love it so it's i think for the most part i think photojournalism is newspaper photography but i also think there's also like like i like to make the distinction between photojournalism and say documentary photography and i actually think joe is he thinks in like like ideas and and he executes his his brand of photojournalism, and I think he straddles the line between uh, documentary and um, assignment newspaper photography. Which and, is I wanna, what I think and I want to talk about that too, is. like like the difference between those, because like there's assignment, and then there's like the guys that get the big check and go out from uh, from National Ge- Geographic and stay out there yeah. for months on end. And that's documentary all the way. Yeah, the yeah it's documentary, or is it? Right? Yeah, and that's. I mean, I mean, Joe, Joe will go and he'll. We'll go photograph like drink of the week, you know, or the restaurant, the restaurant review, uh, you know, and those are all assignments. I mean, you call, it's photojournalism in like a because it's part of an assignment from a newspaper, yeah. so it's it, photojournalism in that sense. But the other stuff that he's like he's, he's known for, he's like really good at is is his documentary work. I mean, yeah, and and so like newspapers are falling. Well, actually, I don't know. For a while there, newspapers were just weren't doing that much, but I feel like there's been. A resurgence in the longer, we'll say medium form, <laughs> the medium form uh, documentaries in in like some of the bigger publications out there. Yeah, the New York Times does some really good. Yeah, there, there's there's definitely an uptick in in money, Frederick. I mean, Matt and of course Circon, they um, Circon's with Reuters, or strings with Reuters, and Matt uh, freelances for the New York Times a lot. But I even even in Baltimore, I've seen them. They have a little more money to spread around for photography than they had, say, in the past like two years. I mean, I don't know if you guys experienced that, but um, as far as wanting to go more video and wanting to go more mm-hmm. uh, into photo essay, I mean, the Times is doing like just great, like whole packages now. I mean, Matt was think that's Matt was was getting ready to get into. Yeah. Well, well, the New York Times specifically, I think, in the last few years, um, and I don't I don't know if this has been a thing that they that they've had, but they have like uh, Mid Atlantic reporters now, and it's kind of a, from what I understand, talking to the reporters, it, it's a relatively new thing. So, so they have people who are actually coming down to this area and looking for stories and reporting on stuff because that's their their beat is the Mid Atlantic now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Guardian does that too. I mean, certainly yeah. I can attest to that. I mean, the, the, the Guardian is totally does that now. They've they've dumped a bunch of money into their their uh, East Coast. Uh, bureau and they're are always lurking around down here looking for stories to write. Yeah, I mean if you, it's it's smart. I mean everyone who comes down to Baltimore is like this place is fascinating. I was like, yeah, I know. Yeah. And, um, uh, before yeah. before we before we dive too deep into that, I want to get I want to get Sir Khan's and uh, Audrey's opinion on just kind of what photojournalism is. Audrey, why don't you go first? What what do you think um, in your opinion from your perspective photojournalism is? Mm, well, 
as sort of an abstract, just to keep it short, I guess, I, I would say photojournalism is like a big investigation, like a big visual investigation. It's mm-hmm. like a lifting of the veil of um, the people who are really there with their hands in it. It's, yeah, I'd say also what Joe said, um, how, you know, to, to show things that you wouldn't get to see unless you have photos, it just expands the world so much. Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Especially now with so many ways to actually share that stuff, too. I mean, with the Internet, etc. Um, Sirkan, what about you? Photojournalism, what is it or what is it not? I would say simply it is visual reporting. Uh, it's just basically it's just journalism just you know you don't write but you take pictures or you could do it through video uh it's it's to show truth with the camera so i think a, a photojournalist must be a journalist first and then a photographer i mean that i think that's the difference between a photojournalist and a photographer interesting um, mhm okay so you have to so when you say if you be a, you have to be a journalist first that means I mean, a journalist as in a writer, someone that knows how to tell a story through weaving words on paper, and then you augment that with photos? Is that what you're saying? Uh, I, I mean, like, you know, uh, I, journalists, like, sticking to journalistic ethics and reporting, it's about uh, basically uh, uh, digging up and finding and presenting that information uh, for the public interest. And we do it through pictures, but there might be instances where you could be actually just, you know, contributing to a, uh, you know, written uh, story without without any pictures. I mean, I've been on assignments where, you know, uh, picture maybe wasn't viable, and but I still, you know, worked and contributed to the story, uh, trying to, you know, talk to people, gather information, assist the reporter in that way. And so can, it's 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 visual reporting basically. Yeah. If you can find mm-hmm. a if you can find a word person who trusts us to say anything about their story, sometimes it's kind of hard to find. Yeah. Like, well, like like it's you know, newspaper uh, newspapers are, are a writers' dominion, and it's hard to feel like we're not just the hired help a lot of the time. <laughs> well, if we well, have explore that a little bit, so the hired help yeah. piece of it, and and just the the, you know the. the the way that some newspapers don't value the work of of seasoned or even just experienced talented photographers by evidence by say the Chicago Sun Times when they laid off their photography or their photojournalist workforce and said hey reporters here's here are iPhones go out there and have at it these guys are just taking pictures anyway like you when know. that when stuff like that happens to you guys like specifically to this crowd I'm curious like when you guys see that happen like a Chicago Sun Times acts everybody overnight. What is that like, Joe? What what does that do to you? I mean, what do you say? Is it is it just a, a shot to the bow, or are you just like, oh, they just don't get it? What do you think? Well, I mean, they don't. It, it's obvious, and I mean, Matt kind of hit on something with we're, we are like the hired help. I mean, you know, I love all my writer friends and my editor friends, but but they're they're very much into the literary side, and really, they'd be happy if we were just like no photo tabloids with just blocks of text, right? I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're 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 kind of like the we're kind of like the the hood ornament. You can still drive the car just fine without the hood ornament. But um, you know that 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 being said, it, I, I think it really sent the shockwave through when when a major newspaper like that fired all their photographers. Um, of course, they hired a few back because you know is and Mac again can, and Sircon of course can attest to this. I mean, try shooting sports with your iPhone. You know, yeah. 
you, they, you, they hired the people that hired back were um, not still photographers. There's a big, big thing with classifying people. So they were all they brought back as visual storytellers. The mm-hmm. few ones they brought back were visual storytellers. So, so they did video and photography. Um, right. Well, we're, we're all we, we're all we're all having to do a little bit of that. I mean, I'm I'm going to start uh, dabbling in video for the newspaper pretty soon. Um, so, and I, I guess Matt, you're you're mostly requested for still. Do you do any video, Sircon, at all? Uh, well, I used to do more when I worked as a staff photographer at the newspaper. I actually we shared a newsroom with the uh, sister TV station, and I would video. I would take shoot video footage, uh, you know, uh, both B-roll and sound bites for the TV station. And we we had a different model at St. Joseph News Press in Missouri, and we didn't really use the video on the, on the web, but it was just for for TV basically, so it was a little bit of a different format than what you would see on major newspaper websites. But right. yeah, I, I I did video and I I actually uh, shot for for a TV station. So I think I uh, when when you need need to do something like that, either for for a newspaper or you know for the uh, sister TV station, you would do that because. Uh, it's it's reporting after all it's visual reporting and it's it is when different do, but when do we not, see the switch though different. when do when in Audrey and Matt I want to have you guys chime in on this so when do you, when mm-hmm. do we when does it become that the the gig is all multimedia you're a, you know as like like was it Matt you were saying the visual storytelling right so is it when does it become that the the gig is who cares what the what the way that you capture the bits or the data is it's the data that tells the story so if it's a if a story that's better expressed through audio or through words or through photography you as a superhero should be the one that jumps in there and <laughs> captures it the best way you can matt audrey what do you guys say to that is that am i totally full of it well i would say like okay so i'll use the new york times as an example of like how assignments get pushed through i would say they're a little different because each section has their own photo editor sometimes several so um and they have a separate video desk that has several editors who receive stuff and they have just have i don't know i think the i think the it's like a gazillion freelancers throughout the world so so whenever the story is getting put together the assignment gets put out based on what they think uh the way they want to tell the story is and photography is just so quick and fast and and like anyone who's ever shot video knows it. It's just, it's just like, it's so it's slow. It's it's slow. It's slow to get on your computer. Yeah. It's slow to get off your computer. It's slow to get on their computer. It's slow to put together. You know, yeah. like if you're shooting something on deadline, forget video. If you shoot molasses, if you need, right? Yeah. Like when I was well, I was out there with Joe on the on the first riots and and like I had I I was shooting the funeral in the morning for the New York Times and then. I'd filed and I was driving back and they're like, hey, <laughs> riot police. And I was like, oh, all right, I'll be right over, I guess. And so I get over there and I don't know, for some reason I shot, I was next to all these wire guys and I ended up filling my computer up because <laughs> I was trying to file next to them. You know, when you have like a bunch of dudes with their big lenses and they're shooting right next to you, you're like, oh, I got to file too, I guess. Yeah. So, so I ended up like filling up my entire laptop's hard drive and I was like, all right, well, I'm going to use my iFi card and I'm going to try to like file from my phone, I couldn't get a signal out. Everything was going wrong for me. But, uh, 
But I was like, there's no way I could have followed video on Deadline under those conditions. There's too many, too many moving parts with that, right? Yeah, yeah it was. And then captioning on top of that, I was like, well, I don't know. I don't know how to caption on top of this on my phone. Well, I'm trying to dodge rocks getting thrown in the air. Well, guys, let's, let's segue. Let's segue the discussion into into tech, right? Because it seems like that's where we're going anyway. So the whole idea <laughs> of all these different pieces, right? So we've got Instagram, Facebook, you know, uh, Google Plus, if it's still around, YouTube, everything. Uh, you know. Frederick, <laughs> what's that? You should probably ask Audrey that. Is she's still a yeah. student? The so she's probably the... more tech savvy than all of us dudes put together. The basis oh, of the no, question is just true. like where where are things are going, right? I mean, we've got. I mean, we've got all these different social media networks to push things out to, and, and video itself is getting easier and easier. Most of the modern DSLRs and mirrorless cameras capture video and all that. So when, and and in a lot of ways, it's becoming expected. Even at even for wedding photographers, they're expected to grab some video, even if it's not even mentioned. Audrey, what do you think? I mean, is it is video going to replace the non-moving image as the norm? Oh, um. It's, I mean, no, no, I'm going to go ahead and say no. Um, I think people, I mean, even with, with Vine being so popular, you know, the six second videos, yeah. I can hardly, you know, have the attention span to watch anything longer than six seconds. And I know a lot of my peers are like that too. So if you can just look at a singular picture, it's great. But um, as, as far as like uh, this sort of technology getting into the hands of everyone, like, um, having everyone sort of be able to be their own photographer or their own videographer with uh, social media like Instagram or just camera phones. I think that, I mean, on a professional level, it's definitely hard because as we were saying earlier, you know, you give the writers um, the license to take pictures with their phones and use that instead. But I think just as a concept, I think it's incredible. And like a lot of the news that we're getting out of Ferguson and stuff like that, or, um, or any sort of uprisings happening are from like tweets or Instagrams from mm -hmm. um, people that are actually on the scene. So no, they don't have the expertise if, if you're talking about like real fine photojournalism, but I just like conceptually think it's incredible. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Cause I think of it like, like when you, when you talk about social based photography and coverage of this stuff, I look at it and I think of it like a, like a swarm of bees, right? So you've got one yeah. bee. You got one bee that might be marginally annoying. You swat it away, and that's one person with a camera phone or whatever. But when they group together, <laughs> it's a little more intimidating when you have this group of you know gigantic swarm of killer bees that are out there. Then you know it can cause some destruction, right? So yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. think. I really don't think that um, all, all this the accessible technology is really gonna. Um, ever really do a big major dent in the world of photography. That's always been the terror, ter the terror of, of any of the people who are professionals in, in photography throughout the days. You know, when, when the SLR came out, you know, all the guys who are looking around the big, the big old medium format, you know, press cameras, they were just like, what is this crap? Right. We're never going to have jobs. And it's just like, well, you will, you just have to you know, adapt to it and that's fine. But we do what you have that, that the people who, as long as you're not a grump and insufferable to be around, is that you have the, um, you, I guess you have the, the office, the office sense. You know, you have like what it takes to conduct a, a, the business of photography. You know, if, if, if that's the thing that separates the plumber from the guy who knows how to use a plunger, then that's the thing that separates the guy from using, 
you know, his camera to be a professional photographer from the guy with, uh, you know, a smartphone. Right. But we saw, yeah. like, I mean, Sircon can probably address this better. If I'm sure he was there for a lot of it. But Arab Spring was mostly, at the beginning, amateur, you know, people with cell phones and, and, and Twitter. And that's how we got most of our news about the Arab, you know, the uprisings in the Arab world. Is that true, Sircon? Well, um, I mean, I, I was also just following it on, you know, major media outlets and social media as well. You know, when those things happened in the uh, in the countries, in the region. Uh, I'm originally from Turkey, and uh, what happened in, in Turkey after the Arab Spring, that was also um, some, you know, unrest and uh, you know, not related to the Arab Spring, but, you know, Turkey has its own problems. That's where I am originally from. And uh, we... We, we called it the Turkish summer. It started uh, in June after the Arab Spring. And during the Turkish summer, I was actually here in the U.S., but I was following it on social media. You know, you, you would watch live, uh, you know, feeds from people's cell phones. And uh, in addition to, you know, uh, journalists reporting, you would also uh, you would also have a lot of incoming pictures video and still pictures uh, from from people, from the protesters or like from people who are just, you know, out there recording, documenting what's happening. So, yeah, I, I mean, uh, yeah, I can attest to that. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. When, when you, Sirkan, when you, when you, when all of you guys, when you look at this stuff and, you know, we as photographers, we're used to saying, yeah, that's good. That's bad. You know, that's a good shot. That's a bad shot, whatever. But when you look at social photography that's happening from cell phones and drones and, you know, whatever else is flying around out there capturing images, when does when does good when is good replaced by good enough? You know, like, you know, when is it that that crowd? Yeah, it's a crappy image. And (laughs) if you look at it in a photography class, it'll just get destroyed. But it's immediate. This thing that they're shooting just happened five minutes ago, and the world wants to see that crappy image, mm-hmm. regardless. But yeah, I I think I think content is king. You know, that's that's what's important. Like if somebody's somewhere at first, and if they're photographing it with their uh, you know cell phone, and even if it's a bad the picture visually, what's important is content. Mm-hmm. I mean, when when uh, when Michael Brown was killed. You know, um, the first the first uh, images of that actually came from cell phones uh, of the people who lived around. I think it took, if I'm not mistaken, I, that's what I remember. Uh, the first journalists arrived there in Ferguson uh, after four hours. Wow. And within the first four hours, whatever was recorded was actually uh, on cell phones. If I remember correctly i remember watching a uh, you know uh documentary about it and i think that was the time frame i'm i apologize if i'm not accurate about it but i'm pretty sure the first people recording were not journalists they were people with cell phones just normal people yeah the cnn i report crowd right <laughs> well but look at i mean you know frederick we, we brought this up on the last on the last episode that I was on about Devin Allen. I mean, he's a kid with a cell phone. He's on the cover of Time magazine. Right. So there's essentially the answer to the whole question right there. I mean, like Sircon said, it's it's all it's all content. And I mean, he's he's 27. Audrey, you're what? 21. I'm 19. 
19. Yeah. Yes. So probably the youngest person on Twitter. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, except yeah. for me. Yeah. yeah except, except for you. You're, 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 you'll, you'll be 19 next year, I think. Right, Fred? Yeah. Um, yeah. Happy birthday. No, but Joe, I, Joe. I, I, think, I think their generation is going to have to deal more with this than, our, than ours are. I mean, I think it's just going to be the norm. Whichever content is the strongest is going to get, you know, the exposure, regardless if it's a – you know, uh, a, a Canon or a, or an iPhone. Yeah. Well, so, so, I remember, but what does yeah. that mean? Does that freak you guys out though, as as photojournalists, that yeah. at some point, you know, people will just say, "Hey, you know, this this thing is happening in downtown L.A., and we'll pay fifty dollars for a shot that we run, have at it, crowd, and go for yeah. it." And then, what does that do to the folks like you guys that are out there on the on the ground, paying your rent by doing this type of photography? Listen, there's there's enough like. The stuff that the stuff that pays my bills isn't breaking news. It's it's the it's it's the, the the fluff in the middle of the of the front page and everything else that's below. I mean, you ask some guy with an amazing picture that he just accidentally photographed to go, oh great, I need you to fill out these uh this ten you know W two form. Uh, make sure you caption you know yeah. AP style and then uh, can you send it to our FTP? That'd be great. Here's a contract for you to sign, and we need this in about 30 minutes. Can you do that for me? They'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Forget it. This is too much for you to deal with for 50 bucks. You know? I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Is that like you've got all these other things that people don't think about there? It's like you know, the you know professionals when you go freelance, they say like you actually shoot about 20 percent of the time. Everything else is office work. You know, when when Joe Joe's like, you know, Joe's the guy that has like. The staff job, but he's also busting his hump doing freelance work too. Yeah. So like he's straddling that line. I used to have to do that when I was a staffer because it didn't get paid very well. <laughs> but um, but I have a lot more free time now as a freelancer, and my life's a lot a lot nicer. But but yeah, that, yeah. but so, that's that's part of the that's part of the, the thing that doesn't make me worry. I don't I don't worry about being taken over by amateurs who are, or the weekend warriors or the engineering dads who like that spend a lot of money on their camera gear. I yeah. mean, like, but Matt, I mean, but Matt, isn't, isn't like, I mean, some, and maybe again, maybe Sircon can address this better, but aren't like the Gettys and the Reuters and the, and the AP, like the photo agencies slowly encroaching on, like, for instance, the Baltimore Sun, like they're two of their Freddie Gray front page covers were AP. One was Pat and one was somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I was like, they were, they were, I know the photographers were right there. I saw them there, you know? So well, it's, I, I, I think, yeah, I, I think Pat, it's going to – those guys are going to start encroaching. Wait, what What do you think is going to start encroaching? No, no, like just just the, the wire services. I mean you can – you know, you, you can – you buy a package and you can just take what you want from the wire services. It's kind of like – so in other words, like if you do something on Micronations in like three years, they – you know, they instead of using you, they could just go to Getty and say Micronations, you know, and pull up these photos right. to oh, match yeah. the story. That's okay. what I mean. That's what I'm getting well, at. That happens all the time. There's been like I just uh, we just talked about micronations. I just worked on this. I'm working on this slowly working on this project about micronations, and um, there's been several stories about it because they just had a convention in California and they just kept getting handout photos from the Republic of Malaysia. You know, handout photos are are always a bummer when it's a project you're working on. But yeah. then again, I, I realized I was like, well, it's my fault that these people who were writing the stories didn't know that I was working on the story so then again it's, it's sort of so it's my fault for not letting people know about me you know it, it comes down to that um what do you think sir Khan? what do you i mean i you, I, I i think that the uh definitely the market is shrinking it's it's smaller and it's tougher and there are a lot of people out there a lot of talented photographers out there 
And, uh, you know, I think, again, like we need to go back to photojournalism. That's what uh, makes the difference for, you know, for the wire agencies that you mentioned, for instance, like uh, I don't I don't see a, you know, a citizen journalist in quotes, you know, a threat, a threat to what I do, because, uh, again, it's just like it's a label. They call that person a citizen journalist, but it's actually a citizen with a cell phone or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're not going to what they record is not going to replace what what I do, because uh, you know, you, I mean, there's a lot of, there, there's a process, you know, of gathering the information, you know, verifying it, the accuracy, objectivity and everything, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, it's a whole package of journalistic work and that's not going to be replaced by a cell phone photo. I agree with you that, uh, that the, uh, that more publications are depending on wire services today. Mm-hmm. And even wire services are depending on other wire services. For instance, I can give you a, a Reuters example. Reuters used to shoot more sports in the U.S. The, now they don't. They uh, get their sports pictures from uh, USA Today, uh, you know, sports wire or whatever it's called. You know, that's yeah. USA Today covering the sports games in the U.S. <laughs> and they basically they uh, canceled all of their freelance uh, sports photographer contracts now they don't they don't buy sports photography so the market is definitely getting smaller and a lot of publications are using you know wire images and there are also these like you know uh, images available by citizens on social media so it's it's a tough it's a tough market it's a um i i'm not i'm not gonna say it's all good you know the the competition clearly is is still increasing from all sides, right? But what about what about when you look at it from the standpoint of and still continuing the 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 discussion about technology? When we look at um, say 4K video, so you know you've got guys out there. Say say Joe, you're out there, you know, shooting, you're doing your thing around Baltimore, capturing footage, and then you have another guy out there that's capturing uh, video footage. You know, he's shooting video, and say he's shooting in 4K. What's to stop that guy from saying, you know what, hey, you don't need anything from Joe. I shot the whole thing in 4K, and I can pull frames from this, and you give them to you, and they're 8-megapixel frames that you can go rock and roll with. Joe only has stills of 160th, 120-whatever of a second of little slices of the action. What did you say? What would you say to that, Joe? Um, well, first of all, I, I think you just outed, you know, that, that was like the big <laughs> secret we didn't want to add to the bottle, you know, the, the, the high-res the high video stills. You heard so, it here first. You know, thank, thanks, Frederick. All Sorry. the editors are like, yeah, why don't we do that? God darn it, why don't, why don't we do that? That's a great idea. <laughs> um, Oops. No, I, I think because I, I think there's still a stigma, except in the fashion world, of using stills from videos to illustrate something, unless it's like, you know, like like the beheadings or the you know the ISIS videos, you have really no choice. Yeah. But I, I still think these editors will, will will still use still photographers, and I mean it kind of it kind of goes back. I was watching this documentary on the Vietnam War, and it, it kind of summed up for me why why we'll never why I'm never going to worry about video taking over stills. And that's because if you watch, if you seen the photo Eddie Adams' famous photo of the the the, the guy executing the Viet Cong, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's also part of a 16 millimeter film. I don't know if you guys know this. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. You, you yeah. can look it up. And and the moment is so fast in relation to the rest of the film that it has no impact. But the still photograph of that is what sticks with you, not yeah. the film. Yeah. So, And I think you're seeing that – you still see that with video, which is why 
you know, even, you know, for like the New York Times, their, their homepage is still a still photo on the homepage. You know, it's, it's, it's not a video or it's not a still from a video. So, mm -hmm. Well, David, we know David, that, you know, yeah. with, a, with Cartier Brisson, you know, he, he coined the phrase the decisive moment, right? And, right. and that's, that's part of the DNA of everyone who calls himself a photojournalist. But with, this, with technology and 4K and video and frame extraction, is it the end of the decisive moment? Audrey, what about you? I mean, you're, you're knee-deep in video, being in that, the generation that grew up into this stuff. Is, is the decisive moment over? Can we offload that to the timeline now? Um, ooh, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say no, and that there's just like a certain emotional loadedness in the, the decisive moment that a, a photographer you know, extracts from a situation that you just, I mean, it's just different. <laughs> if, yeah, if you're different taking feel, out a still sure. from a video, it's it's just a different uh, thing entirely, I think. Yeah, as I wonder, but, but, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, you're like, you're watching sports and you see, you know, or football specifically, and you see how, how coverage of that game video-wise has evolved over the past 10 years. I mean, just everything. It's like barely even a game anymore. It's more like a video game, <laughs> you know, the way that the every little angle is covered and the replays and all this stuff. And they're shooting in 4K. So, you know, they've got this, this you know, touchdown or tackle or whatever of a lifetime, and they can go in and pull from that rather than rely on the guys that are on the sidelines that have been doing it for 20 years now. Some dude in the control room can set a path of where this camera's going to go, go back later and harvest that footage. So that's the stuff that, that, that I get concerned about when we look at this career field. It's like, okay, it is the path of least resistance to do that. And what does that mean for the working photojournalist that's in there telling <laughs> stories? And like Audrey, like you're saying, like you're in there and there's that visceral piece of it that you can't recreate by extracting a frame. But like we were saying before, sometimes good enough is good, right? So right. I don't know. That was still like sort of the sort of the mantra when everyone was doing math and dealing with chemicals in the film days. You're like, oh, does this work? Sure, they need it now. All right, it's good enough. Yeah, Here exactly. Go. I guess it's in focus. <laughs> exactly. They'll deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, to that to that point, I feel like the quality of photography has has definitely skyrocketed because of digital. And you know, I don't I don't discount the fact that there's going to be frame grabs coming out of nowhere. I saw this really cool picture about a year and a half ago of this um of this person who was it was a, the frame between this person being eviscerated by I think it was a a bomb, I think. So like you see an outline of him yeah. and a bomb below him. It was it was the most is the most is the craziest thing I've ever seen and the only reason it was it was um able to be seen that way is because it was in between two frames yeah. or something along those lines. But it was, I mean, but, you know, there's going to be, I mean, that just shows that there's going to be some cool trickery you can do with with taking frame grabs. Oh, um, totally, yeah. But, but I mean, like, but again, like, who's, who wants to go through and edit 
all that's that. That's true. That's true. Yeah, and then there's all kinds of ethical things that pop up. For example, in Photoshop, there's a command in there called median where you can give it a series of frames and have it make one frame and remove right. the deltas, right? So you could take all the people out of a scene really easily you know and no one would ever know but you have the power as a well as a it's yeah but you you're right on frederick like it's funny you should mention that because like world press photo 20 percent of their entries had to be dropped because of stuff like that yeah yeah you know, and i think that and that, that to me is more of a threat with audrey's generation and, and devin allen the, the time magazine uh kid their generation a lot of those young photographers that I talk to when I talk in classes or I have interns, they don't see what the problem is taking a, t a telephone pole out. You know, like right, what's right. the big deal? Right. You that's know, a, and I mean, that, to me, thing. it's it's like old man heart attack over here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it, it, it's going to be an issue. And and these things like like that filter in Photoshop, they can take all these people out in one you know one click. Yeah. Is that I worry more about that than I do about being replaced by video. Well, you know what else? So do the editors who hire photographers and take photos in. They are. Are terrified that they're going to publish something that is that is factually, visually wrong, and so that's another reason why I'm not worried about losing my job to you know uh, you know a dude with a cell phone. He he could have done something on there. He could have put like a little bit of a weird filter on it right. and sent it in. Yep. I mean, there's ways to vet that, of course, but all that does is it just wastes an editor's time when they have right. to figure out if this is a is a, this is a real image or not. You know, so like. When you have like a stable of freelancers that you trust, you usually can just say like these guys actually know what MPPA stands for. They've read the code of ethics. They've been at this a while. You know, they've been vetted through their but, consistent. But Matt, I mean, if I get, but Matt, like the, the in, in the recent the most recent cases of this been like busted, and I think Sirkan Sirkan can attest to this. They've been professionals, man. Like the the, the guy that you know that took the cameraman out of that uh, the AP guy. Sure, man. You're, you're talking about like all these like uh, like very specific instances, but you know how many photos get published a day? You know, oh, that, I know, I know, I know. I know. We we were and we were talking about like the sensational inside of it. I'm talking about like I'm not worried. Of, I guess like you know, on occasion there's going to be a photo that uh, that someone takes because they're in the right place at the right time. Like that photo of the London bombing, you know, yeah, that was right. taken by a guy who was there. But that doesn't really happen on a daily basis. You see what I'm saying? I'm talking about like the statistics of us being edged out versus the t statistics of us being utilized. So no, I, I, like I was no, no, no I, I got that. I, no, I was just referring to like the, the instances of photo manipulation has actually been yeah. more by pros than by amateurs. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, uh, yeah, there, I, I think you, I mean, maybe I, for there, are there are instances like where you can find like very accomplished, you know, professionals. Uh, doing such things like I mean uh, there's that Washington Post wrestling photo that you know the referee was erased out mm -hmm. uh, because it you know it was distracting in the background that's what they thought and then uh, you know LA Times from uh, from Iraq and like you can you can count like the one that uh, Joe just mentioned Narciso Contreras mm -hmm. Uh, taking that picture in Syria and deleting a video camera off the picture. But uh, when there are, you know, sort of like, you know, when agencies or like these publications, they uh, they have certain, uh, you know, sanctions, then it can give the message. I mean, they deleted uh, all of the pictures uh, of that photographer uh, from AP Wire after they realized that that was that one doctored photo, but it cost right. them basically his contract and 
all of his pictures were removed from the archives. And but uh, then again, there's also this uh, with with world press photo. It's it's just like it's mind blowing. That's yeah. what's being praised at those you know co- contests. Uh, sometimes you know not not. I'm not talking about every single award, but like there is a need during those contests to find something different. I I mean, I watched quite a good number of uh, pictures of the year international contests when I was a graduate student in Missouri. It was held at the university and uh, the judges usually look for something, you know, different. And, and sometimes that desire to find something different can lead to, uh, you know, uh, picking some picture that is, you know, it's it's too maybe different because it's, it's not, not real, really, right? It's it's not really journalistic, you know. What what's like that Charleroi case with the world with world press photo that uh, about the uh, city in Belgium, right? The Belgian uh, city, yeah. Yeah, like that one. The the photographer is not a photojournalist. Does not claim to be a photojournalist, and. Uh, He's he's a photographer. He does a lot of different kinds of photography, but documentary. Uh, he, no, not he, I mean, from what I saw on his own website, I checked out. I wrote an article on that uh, for a website, and when I checked out his own website, it doesn't I, I mean he doesn't present really himself as a uh, you know a journalist or a uh, you know a documentary photographer either. It's like he has a lot of portraits and you know commercial work and all that, and. He he did this and sent this project to to the contest and they thought it was different. It is different from what you uh, see elsewhere, but uh, because he doesn't have that journalistic background, he maybe he wasn't aware that he, he was crossing that line, you know, That's, by asking his cousin to uh, sort of uh, you know pose in the, pose in the, <laughs> po- yeah. Pose in the yeah. I mean, I, I, don't I would know also about get that, though. I mean, it, that's like. Ignorance is not a, a good defense. I don't think. No, no, no. Concept. I'm not. I'm not defending it. I'm just saying it's it's more it's more World Press Photos' responsibility to you know yeah, that's true to, to figure a- these out. It, what outraged me was the initial reactions of World Press Photo to the incident. Yeah. I mean, it, I think they stood by it twice. Before finally they said, okay, this is not okay. Yeah, I mean, right. they had two previous, you know, uh, uh, press releases actually supporting the award. First, they didn't want to, you know, change their mind about it. So that was the troubling part of it, not not the photographer doing it. I mean, it happens, and uh, you know, it will happen too. But you know, I mean, we can't like in every profession there would be like some, you know, some people with. I don't know, maybe greed for an award or whatever, and they will, they will do something like that. Yeah. Audrey, do, do they teach? Do you have you taken any photojournalism ethics classes? No, we don't. Um, I don't think we have that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great! That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we're in trouble, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, because I remember when you, Joe, uh, told me. Just a few months ago, or I guess perhaps a year ago, like, oh, by the way, you cannot Photoshop out, um, like, poles in the background or things like that. And I was like, oh, like, didn't didn't quite know that. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. no, they're, they're not teaching. At least, you know, I can only speak for myself, of course. But uh, Audrey, where do you go to school? I go to UMBC. Oh, okay. Oh, so is Gail your teacher? Not yet. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. I was gonna say I was gonna say Yale will probably probably teach you about not taking that telescope. All right, guys. For we before we continue, um, we're gonna well after the break, we're gonna we're gonna have a a great discussion, hopefully, about the educational paths that folks can take to become a professional photo uh, photojournalist. Maybe we'll talk about Gail and all sorts of folks. So, <laughs> <laughs> so stand by for this uh, this quick announcement. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by our newest sponsor, and that's our friends over at Animoto.com. In today's connected and visual world, video is really now a necessity. It's no longer an option. In fact, all of the social media platforms now allow video. People are using video as a powerful way to stand out from just static photos. Even Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg predicts that video will be the primary form of communication on Facebook within five years. And with video, you can better engage your customers and your friends, you can drive more traffic to your website, and you can boost your company or your personal image online by just using video. But learning how to use video and spending the money to create compelling videos is expensive. And it takes a long time to learn the tools necessary to create cool looking video. So that's where Animoto comes in. Animoto is a drag and drop video builder that gives you everything you need to produce professional videos in just minutes. You just need a logo and some photos or some video clips. You throw them in there and boom, the thing crunches them and spits out an amazing looking professional video. They've got 1,000 or over 1,000 commercially licensed songs for you to use, courtesy of Triple Scoop Music. Animoto has partnered with respected photographers, including Kelly Brown, Jerry Gihonis, Tamara Lackey, and more to provide you with exclusive professionally designed video styles. Plus, if you have your own logo, you can replace the Animoto branding with your own logo on there. Plus, you can create unlimited HD videos. You can share your videos on your website. You can throw them up on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, email. You can even download them and burn them to a DVD if you want to. Plus, they've got a cool Lightroom plugin. So you can, you can shoot your images directly from Lightroom into Animoto and have it remix them just like that. No more exporting to a folder than uploading. You can just send them directly out to Animoto from your desktop. Animoto is really more than just a slideshow. They they, they allow you to tell a story. You can choose the right music, set a cool mood, and really bring a series of images and video clips to life. And you can market your photography business with video with just a few clicks. You No more editing experience is needed. You can blend those video clips and photos seamlessly into one final piece, really without any extra work. And you can create your first video in about 10 minutes. You know, and this is about less than the time it takes for you to get your favorite caffeinated drink from your favorite barista. And Animoto has a special free trial. It's a no-risk free trial. You can try them for free and join the thousands of photographers who are already using Animoto to stand out from the crowd. Just head over to animoto.com slash twip and use the offer code TWIP and they'll knock 15% off an Animoto Pro account. Once again, that's animoto.com slash twip and use the offer code TWIP for 15% off. All right, guys, let's, dump, let's jump right into this. So the educational paths, right? So there's a, there's like 
compared to like 15, 20 years ago, there's tons of ways that you can learn any number of things online, from lynda.com to Kelby to Creative Live to, you know, I sit on the board at Brooks Institute down in Santa Barbara, so if you want to go to school and sit in a class, you can do that. And, you know, Audrey's in, cl- in, in a physical school. So what is the best way? I mean, Joe, I'm going to start with you. What's the best way if someone's like, you know what, you know, damn the torpedoes, I want to be a photojournalist and I'm going to do it. What's the best way with them for them to learn how to do it? Um, well, they have to have, I think, kind of piggybacking what Sircon said originally, they have to have an eye for, for, for news, for the journalist part of it. Again, with, you know, with, with, with Devin Allen, I mean, I, I had a Q&A, which is on the city paper site with him, uh, about, about this. I mean, he has, he has a news eye. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't have a degree, but, you know, Time Magazine gave him two weeks in a row, two center spreads. All, you know, but he, he has a camera. He uses the Fuji X. Um, you're better with this, Frederick, than I am. Uh, the new Fuji, the mirrorless. Oh, uh, XT1. XT1, yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. So he right. does use a camera. He doesn't not necessarily always use his, his phone, um, but he just did it. He was out there every day, and he hashtagged the hell out of all of his Instagram photos, which is why I mean it was like a salad of hashtags. <laughs> but um, but but that's what you know. But but that's I mean Audrey can attest. I mean that's that's what gets you noticed, and that's what got him noticed by everyone from Rihanna to. Time Magazine to uh, you know, the L.A. Times, you know, who picked him up. So I, I, I think I think I think to sorry to make a roundabout answer, but I think your base needs to be you have to understand news and you have to have an instinct for news. And that's just in photojournalism, like documentary, like Matt was saying earlier. If you have a project on disabled veterans, that's not exactly having a nose for news. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But a photojournalist, you, you, you need to know what you need to keep up on the stories that are out there and have an instinct for it. But let me let me put a finer point on it. So if if, if someone's a say, say someone has that prerequisite, they have an eye for news and that's why they want to be a photojournalist is the is in Matt. Let me uh, throw this to you first. Is, is the correct way to go about becoming a, quote, real photojournalist to give yourself a self assignment? Say, hey, I'm going to go. I'm going to go show the reality of homelessness in Baltimore or in New York or in Chicago and then shoot it and learn on the job, augmenting what you know with online, YouTube, Linda, all that stuff? Or should you go sit down in a class with someone who's been in the trenches and and learn from them directly? What's the best way to learn? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. my dad would say it depends. Well, I would say like, no one's gonna. No one wants you to be a photojournalist. Like, there's nobody in the world who's all like, ah, I just want you to be. You know, like you. You have to want it for yourself first of all. So, yeah, it's got to be something you can't not do. Because um, there's really no reason for you to do it. There's plenty of practical jobs out there. If you're a practical person, I would say, you know, if you're curious, try it out. If failure is not your thing, then uh, then neither is photography because you're going to fail a lot in a lot of different aspects. Yeah. But it's those uh, it's those little triumphs, and that keeps you coming back to it. That I think are gonna uh, keep you in. I had a lot of friends from college who, um, who you know, they got their first newspaper job as a photojournalist. There's not a. I went to the University of Georgia, and there's not a photojournalism program there. There's an art photography program, and my impression it kind of looked down on documentary. It's all process oriented. But I might be wrong. Um, I wasn't allowed to go into that because it's only. It's only open to majors, and um, my degree is in sociology, so I was definitely the odd duck out in, in the photojournalism classes. There were three, by the way. You, you could concentrate. 
But like, what is that? Um, you know, I'm curious what it means for someone like Audrey. So Audrey, you're in it, right? And yeah. And when you know the the same question when you when you got bitten by the bug to become a photographer or a photojournalist, what led you to that? Like what and why and how did you make the decision on what way you were going to learn to be a photojournalist? What led me to it is it's just um, the most grounding thing for me to do with photography, just uh, just personally. Um, because I started out just doing portraits of friends and, you know, sort of boring stuff like that. And, mm -hmm. you know, I wanted to get involved and sort of get my hands in things that I had interest in. Um, as far as trying to find the right or correct way to pursue it, it's really hard because I have people like older people, like teachers or mentors or whatever, telling me like I should read about how um, legendary photographers got their start. And um, it's just it feels to me not comparable because um, I don't know if it's really going to make a difference for me to go to college and have a degree in this instance or if I should really just like drop it and be relentlessly shooting stories. I mean, I guess the correct answer is like both. Um, but Maybe. Yeah. It, it's yeah. Just, this is, this is no the perfect framework. crowd. This, this is the perfect crowd to ask that question to, though. I mean, well, uh, Joe, Sircon, Matt, what's what's the best way? Should Should a student should they learn by doing or should they take a loan out and go to school? You got to get into the, never, you got to get into the world. I would say the yeah. world of photojournalists because that world will keep you in if, you know, if you stick around long enough. That's, yeah. It'll, I, I don't have a degree and I've never been asked when I filed a story, by the way, can you send your, can we see your transcripts? Um, <laughs> but now, but, but I can't teach. And as I get older, that's my one regret about not getting like an MFA or not getting a BA or f finishing my BA is that I, I can't teach until I'm maybe like when I'm 90 and I get some sort of honorary PhD, then they'll let me teach. But um, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to mention the school, but I have a friend who's a who's a, a photography teacher. She has no experience in photojournalism. She's getting tenure to, to teach and I'm going to teach her about photojournalism <laughs> yeah, yeah. because they want her to do a photojournalism course. Joe, that, so. that presupposes that your end game is to teach at an accredited education. Well, well that's school, what I mean. Right? If, if, if you want to teach, then you, you need to get a degree. But, but like Matt, you know, Matt said before I cut him off for the 18th time, um, <laughs> you know, Sorry, um, Matt. yeah, no, no, he, he's right. Like just get out there in the world. I mean, what, what do you think, sir? Khan? I, I learned the profession in school in Missouri, but then again, there is something that, they refer to as the Missouri method, and that's uh, that has a lot of hands-on training. I would say two-thirds of what you do in Missouri is hands-on. The school owns a newspaper that is actually a, a city paper. It's sold, you know, as the other city paper in Columbia. It's not. It's not a student paper. There's a student paper at the university, but the, the university also owns a you know an actual daily newspaper. For people who do broadcast, there's a TV station, uh, which is a an NBC affiliate, as far as I know, and uh, so you get a lot of hands-on training. And I, uh, that's that's how I learned. I I was I was on a Fulbright scholarship, coming from Turkey to Missouri, and that's basically I had uh, I took photography courses before in high school and all that. I knew how to take a picture, but I had no clue about you know photojournalism and journalistic ethics and you know it just started with a reporting boot camp and then you know that's how I learned and over the years like you basically learn doing it, it I don't think a like going to school is a must uh, but being curious is is a must like you need yeah. to you need to learn it's not just about 
grabbing a camera and taking pictures. You need to look at other people's pictures. You need to you know, read about it. You must make an effort to learn about the ethics of the profession. Maybe pick up like Ken Cobra's photojournalism book that's used as a textbook in many schools. You know, mm-hmm. there are chapters. I, I taught for a semester at a Turkish university when I was in Turkey as a visiting lecturer. And that's what, that's what I used uh, you know, for my class. Uh, the, this, the, it was a school of journalism, but then they didn't have any, you know, actually uh, photojournalism courses. And it was new new for them. And uh, I like you also need to, you know, try to learn from other people and like share share knowledge. It's, it's like I mean, we learn from we learn from each other, even like, you know, watching each other covering what's going on in Baltimore. You know, I I see like Joe doing something, learn from him, you know, and like we try to assist each other, you know, like you follow like what people do and you need to have a nose for a good story. What's a good story? Not just for news, but what's a good story? Something might not be very newsy, but still, you know, some it can be a good story. Yeah. So well, you, guys, you guys, you know, there's this movie uh, you may be familiar with that came out last year, 2014, as we record this. Uh, called Nightcrawler. You guys have you seen that? Uh, yeah, with Jake it. Gyllenhaal. And so I'm on I'm on IMDb right now. I'm going to read the description of it to it of it to you. It says uh, Los Angeles based Lewis Bloom, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, survives by scavenging and petty theft. He stumbles into a new career as a cameraman. This is video. And armed with a camcorder and police scanner, begins nocturnal forays across the city in search of shocking and grisly crimes. When he catches the eye of a shopworn news direct, re, director, played by Rene Russo, who becomes who welcomes the chance to raise her station's ratings, Lewis goes to increasingly greater lengths to catch the money shot. And if you watch this without giving too much of it away, he starts building the news in a lot of ways instead of just shooting it. So Yeah. Yeah. So this the the segue from what this discussion was, you know, this was this guy was like a uh, what do you call it? He's like a con man or something. He play Jake Jake Gyllenhaal plays a con man who's like, oh, I can make money doing that, and then he teaches himself and then makes some you know arrangements with the news station to to sell his footage. Is that a way to learn? You know, if you're in Los Angeles listening to this, should you go out and get yourself a camcorder and uh, start being Jake or or no? What do you think? <laughs> don't do what he does. I, I've seen the movie. It's a great movie. Watch the movie, but don't do what he does. <laughs> well, there's that. Um, yeah, Frederick. Did you got and maybe Matt might remember this. There was a kid. They did a, a, like a documentary about him. He was like this young, like 15 year old paparazzi kid that did just that, right? He. Uh, I didn't see just, that. No. Yeah, he what? just. Um, yeah, he, he just like got a got a camera and went out, and then he became like this sensation. And I think that was last year, uh, and they did a documentary. I'm I'm looking it up now. Um, but I will. I will definitely. Uh, yeah, I'll give us send me that over. We'll put a link yeah. to it. Yeah. Well, I would back to the education of what 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 to do to to be a um, to get into the world of photojournalism. What yeah. what you can do. I would say, look up the MPPA National Press Photographers Association. Um, they have all these workshops that go. And when you're young, I, I feel like I don't know. I, I can see. Uh, I can see Joe rolling his eyes over there. Just feel it. Um, <laughs> I can feel it too. Yeah. <laughs> But you know, when I was when I was young, I was you know fresh out of college and in college, those things were like sources of the biggest inspiration for me. Also, I made friends there. I made friends that were from different parts of the area, people I kept in touch with. 
Um, and it's nice when you know that you grow up with a with a certain with your with your generation. You see your the people in your generation who become who who blossom and go off and do amazing stuff, and it's cool to keep in touch with them. So I would say, like, if if you're really like figuring out trying to figure out what to do, I mean, if this was if we were doing this interview about ten years ago, it said, oh, you got to go get you know an internship somewhere, but I don't know how many of those are offered anymore. Yeah, especially the the paid ones. I imagine they're probably few and far. You know, but we pay. Well, our our intern, my my photo interns are paid. Um, Wait, that, Joe, that's Pretty a perfect that's that. a perfect segue into this next piece, and that's money. You know, <laughs> you're we we've been talking about the how to become educated and become a professional photojournalist, but if once you do it and you go through the gauntlet and the fire and all that stuff, and you come out of the other side as a newly minted photojournalist. How much money can you make? Like, what's the what's the top end, Joe? You're you're you guys are all in. Top, it. Well, top end. I mean, I you know because I, I'm because I'm I'm locally based. I mean, I'm 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 salaried. I was doing okay with freelance, but I I think Sir Connor and Matt would be the best ones to ask about that. I mean, they're the ones that rely on you know story after story. So. Yeah, Sir Con, what do you what do you think? You know, what should I should should I expect to be buying a Ford or am I going to be buying a Tesla? If, as a photojournalist, Tesla. <laughs> uh, I'd say I'd say like stick to a bicycle, <laughs> <laughs> a Ford bicycle. <laughs> well, okay, um, you know, I mean, I don't want to discourage anybody, but like, if you're thinking like you would you would become rich or something, don't get into photojournalism. Like, just find something else. And if I mean, even you know, just a. Uh, just to make enough to survive is very tough, very mm. tough these days as a freelancer or otherwise, you know, like, yeah, there are jobs pay decent salaries, but very few. And it's very tough market for freelancers when there is work. Yeah, you get paid well or OK, but uh, there's a lot of competition and there's less work. So you got to love it. What... It sounds like you have to love it, and and part of it is a labor of love. Audrey, is that what? You, is that is that your your kind of thinking and mindset when you enter into this career field? That yeah, I'm probably not gonna I'm not gonna make a whole lot of money. I'm not gonna be living in the Hamptons anytime soon. But I'm gonna <laughs> be fulfilled and happy with what I'm doing. Is that? Oh yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it's. I mean, honestly, I'm pretty naive about the money situation of it all, but I'm. It's I love it. What can I say? Yeah, yeah. Well, look at Twip, Twip educating and shattering dreams all in one episode. <laughs> Audrey, I yeah. recommend you getting a getting Andrew Harrington's book. It's called the uh, Oh my God, what is it called? <laughs> it's the best business practices. Oh, that bi- yeah, yeah, yeah. The business yeah, practices. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's it's really easy to read and it's pretty insightful. It's it's something invaluable. I would I recommend getting it now and and don't 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 get too stressed out about the business side of it. It's something that you're gonna have to slowly learn to deal with, and if you you see it as a challenge, it's it's something that's like a fun challenge. You'll, you'll get better at it. But oh yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Just like anything I, else, Perse- persevere. Like to- oh, go, <laughs> go ahead, Sirka. Uh, I'd like to uh, get back to what Matt said. Uh, you know, I I agree with that, and I second that about the about the workshops. They're very useful. I would say I. I mean, the ones I can think of, like, uh, you know, the Missouri Photo Workshop, MPW, Eddie Adams Workshop, or yeah. Mountain Mountain yeah. Workshops in Kentucky. You know, th- those are pretty good ones. And uh, there are other ones out there. And you can you can learn, you know, uh, pretty fast, I'd say. 
uh, you can get an idea about what you know what photojournalism is at least, uh, and that could be a start if you are not going to go to school. But my my you know uh, my suggestion would be like don't spend too much money on gear, you know don't spend too much money on other things like you know workshops or uh, you know like taking out like big student loans and like you know yeah, it might not pay off it financially i'm not saying you know i'm not talking about this being a passion and doing it but it's 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 more about you know it's more about wanting to do this and you can't it's the camera is just a tool i um and, i went and, yeah go ahead and you can learn you know there's there's abundance of information everywhere. You know, you don't need to uh, pay big money to get that information. I, I mean, went, it's, yeah. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, I went to this workshop in um, the, oh man, my nouns, they're just not working for me right now. <laughs> um, it's the, uh, the big one in New York. Uh, oh, Photo the Plus Photo Plus Expo? Photo Plus yeah. Expo? Yeah, so they have like, in, as opposed to, you know, in, in addition to all the gear, they, and, and, the, and the, they shove all these speakers in the basement away from all the, the sparkly things. And I saw Chris Buck and Christopher Anderson and this other guy talking about how to make money as an editorial photographer. And the, one of the – I forgot who it was. One of the guys is, this, is the lone staff photographer for New York Magazine. He's amazing. And then Chris Buck said, uh, shoot commercial photography. <laughs> shoot advertising. Mm-hmm. He said this. I'll never forget this. This ratio he gave me. He said I shoot eighty percent editorial, but eighty percent of my money comes from ad- advertising. Right. And it's it's true. Like that's and and it's not like you have to make a huge jump to go from commercial to editorial. I, I feel like once you like dive into the full time freelance photography world, you get opportunities to shoot something that's going to pay a lot more and not really necessarily be that. Yeah, that's Exciting, a great strategy. Know? Yeah, you look at it as a component to your overall income mix rather than yeah. I'm going to survive on this one vertical genre of photography. Right, right. And I mean, we'll say if you dedicate to one genre or another, you're going to do better. I, I, I used to think, uh, you know, yeah, hey, I'll shoot, I'll shoot photojournalism and I'll, sh- and I'll substitute my income by shooting weddings. And I started realizing that, like, I'm just shooting. If I if I dedicate myself to a wedding, I've just eradicated that weekend from anything else mm-hmm. a year later. And so the people, if I if you love shooting weddings, I say stick with that. I mean that is an all encompassing form of photography. And you, but if you love editorial work and commercial work, those things are more on a complementary time cycle. In fact, in fact, you can turn down the two hundred dollar you know assignment from the New York Times because you've already got like the commercial job that you've scheduled for, you know, three or four weeks in advance. So you're like, I'm not going to shoot that because I'm going to go make $5,000 on this thing right now. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's kind that of easy like, to say no to. <laughs> Frederick, that, it, it, even with the old schoolers, like that's kind of like a dirty little secret. Like uh, I, I finished uh, Russell Miller's book, uh, Magnum, 50 Years at the Front Line of History, about mm-hmm. the history of Magnum. He was a, one of the photo editors there. And a lot of these, you know, a lot of these, and Cartier-Bresson also, like a lot of these famous guys, you know, took commercial work on the side, you know, kind of on the sly. They would never admit to it, you know, because you don't really get credit for ads and stuff like that. Um, no bylines in advertising. Well, no, no, no. But I mean, but but because there wasn't enough, you know, photojournalism to even, you know, to to support these old masters, so to speak, you know, when they get into house buying and having kids and stuff like that. 
you know, I mean, you, Eugene Richards is is famous for he he turns commercial work down when he's broke as f. Like, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the poor guy's like on Skid Row like most of his life, but his work is fantastic. You know, yeah. yeah. And there isn't there isn't always a you know the news cycle is different too. There isn't always a big story out there that you can you know go photograph. I mean, we were in Baltimore now. I mean. What else is going on right now? Like, Cleveland. if you look at hot, hot news right. items, yeah, Cleveland. But like, yeah. basically now the shift is like, you know, it, it, the focus shifted to uh, Ukraine, Burundi, and Myanmar. You know, it's like, uh, basically they're out of my reach. I don't know if <laughs> Joe is gonna show up, you know, in Burundi and like start no. photographing. But you know, it's there isn't always a you know big. Uh, you know, new story happening, and that that's that's very smart advice coming from you guys. You know, to uh, basically uh, you know do do other work to uh, pay the bills. And well, uh, well Ben Lowy actually, you guys know Ben Lowy, the photographer. Mm-hmm. Ben yeah. Lowy? Well, he made two separate websites. He made one that's just for you know photojournalism, and you know, and all his stuff. And it you know it definitely adheres to the photojournalistic ethics and everything like that. But then. He has two kids and apparently two like an apart an apartment and a studio in in New York that he has to support plus this this huge travel budget and so he decided he was going to make like a commercial website. It's two different websites for for Ben Lowy: journalism, commercial. And so like he's venturing more into the stuff that pays better. And he actually separated them two by website. And a lot of people they say that if you're going to shoot weddings, you should never have. If you're gonna try to shoot weddings and editorial. You should never have the two on the same page because, oh, yeah, right. yeah Cause cause the, it makes you it makes you look unfocused and unprofessional. Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We're gonna we're gonna uh, take another quick break, and after this, we're gonna look into the future and see what's next for those who hold the title photojournalists and for those that aspire to hold that title. So stand by. Sweet the future. <laughs> <laughs> This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. You can try FreshBooks for free. Just head over to freshbooks.com twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section when you sign up. And as I've said on This Week in Photo before, we use FreshBooks as the back end to basically run most of the stuff behind the scenes on this business to keep the lights on and to keep everybody happy. Because as we all know, as creative professionals, we're not necessarily focused on capturing our income, expenses, and tracking billable time and all that. And I think the reason that we don't capture all of those things is simple. It's boring. We're creatives. We like fun stuff. We like Photoshop and Lightroom and you know, all these other cool things that let us express that side of our brain. And thankfully, FreshBook offers us as small business owners a way to quickly and easily keep track of our time and money without disrupting our workflow or, you know, sort of messing with our creative juices. With FreshBooks, you can invoice clients. It's easy. You can do it in seconds and expenses can be automatically imported so that you don't have to lift a finger. You're just doing the stuff on the back end while you do other cool stuff. You can even track billable time as easy as starting a timer on your on your mobile phone. You can b- whip up business reports. You can stay on top of your income, expenses, and tax time is coming up. So with a couple of clicks, you can generate 
generate reports for your CPA or your accountant so that you're staying out of trouble. So grab some popcorn, learn how to fresh books by watching some of their free getting started webinars. I'm a big fan of webinars and they've got some excellent ones online for you to check out. Once again, if you want to check FreshBooks out, you can just head over to freshbooks.com slash TWIP, enter the code This Week in Photo or TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section to start your free 30-day trial. All you need is an email address to uh, to try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. Just go over to freshbooks.com slash TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And we want to thank FreshBooks for their support of This Week in Photo. All right, guys, let's jump back into this. Let's wrap this up. So what's so putting on your, you know, pulling out your crystal ball and your magic future looking Google glasses. What's next for this career field? I mean, what's what is it going to evolve into? Let's let's put a, a time frame on it. So we're in 2015 as we record this. So 2025, 10 years from now, <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> That's only 10 years. It sounds like science fiction. 10 years from now. What's uh what's gonna happen, Sir? I'm gonna let you go first. What's uh, what does this industry look like? Hmm. Uh, I don't. It's desolate. Tough. It's a desolate place where that's... no one is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I don't. I don't see much change in ten years. There's gonna be a little bit of change, mm-hmm. but it'll probably be in the same. I don't. I'm not sure if the. Uh, market would bounce back really you know in terms of that i mean it, it'll never be the good old days like yeah. that they refer to and i don't know when that happened but uh you know i'm too young for that i guess but <laughs> maybe there's gonna be there's gonna be less newspaper photographers yeah. and uh newspapers would be relying even more on you know wire services and there's gonna be still a lot of freelancers around and uh, there's this even today there's this you know giant hungry for new photography and you can become famous you know get featured on like some you know big news outlets photo blog and then you know they move on to the next emerging photographer or the next exciting story and that's pretty much going to be it so yeah it's gonna it's definitely gonna be i mean clearly everything's gonna be different because things are different from from month to month year to year these days but I'm curious Audrey you know in ten years from now you'll be what twenty nine uh oh what what are you thinking things are gonna look like when you're the ripe old age of twenty nine ooh well <laughs> i mean hopefully i of course I couldn't say, but I hope that it keeps diversifying and like who who the camera's hands are in keeps diversifying and that we get more and more people from different perspectives involved and like that's really all I could project onto the future <laughs> yeah 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 it's that's fair Joe Joe Giordano what about you you're working at a newspaper right now is huh. that newspaper going to be around in 10 years uh, well, I I hope so. Um, I, I think I think in in some I don't want to jinx, so I'm not going to even answer that question. Uh, yes or no? <laughs> I'm not jinxing myself. No, I I think in in ten years I, I think it's going to be more of a a technological boom. I think we're going to get rid of these dinosaur DSLRs. I think it'll be small mirrorless and or everything on your phone or your tablet. I mean, yeah, or your watch. Or your, or your, well, <laughs> anyway, don't even start with the watch. Um, <laughs> 
You know, I, I yeah, don't put me on a geek show like that because I'll just crash and burn like the <laughs> last it. time. Um, I'm baiting you. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Well, I mean, but really, the only thing that holds my you know my iPhone back from from being like a, a decent good camera is you know blown out highlights, nighttime stuff, and sports. If, if they can if they can you know get their act together on that front, I mean, you'll have a nice little camera. You know, th- there's no reason you couldn't shoot the riots. That Matt and Sircon and actually Audrey, Audrey was there for a lot of the protest stuff too. There's no reason you could have shot, you couldn't have shot that with a, a good iPad or a good tablet or a good phone, you know? Yeah. Other than just looking completely ridiculous out there with an iPad, it's well, I mean, in front of you. But that's, but you know, but I mean, but but like Audrey said about diversification, I mean, that's what you see in places that don't have cameras. I mean, all these people. Again, you know, I'm 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 kind of harping on the the Arab Spring, but if you look at the photos, those people were out there with their iPads. They don't care, you know. Yeah, I mean, it looks yeah. silly to us, but um, that's you know, that, that's that's their way of communicating. And in some of the urban neighborhoods around the Freddie Gray uh, protests, they don't have access to, to to nice cameras. You know, they just yeah. have their phones. Yeah, and that's you know, and so you get someone like Devin who's from the west side in the cover of time magazine so and yeah and doing it yeah when it comes down to it like we talk about I mean, we one of our shows is called all about the gear and it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing because it's not really all about the gear it's about the photographer and the creativity of the photographer on the other side of the lens but you know at the same time you got to have in like you were saying joe to, to get the shot quote you got to have the right gear right so you don't necessarily need awesome gear to be a good photographer, but you need, if you're going to be shooting at night and fast-moving subjects, you're going to need gear that can hold up to that, correct? Right. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Sirkan, you know, you know as, you, as you look forward, putting on your just strict photojournalism hat, what's missing from the things that you have in your bag right now, like technology-wise, stuff that doesn't exist today and things that you need in order to be a better photographer? Is it, you know, I need a mirrorless camera that has a cell phone card in there that I can upload directly from the field to the cloud with? Or, you know, is there anything specifically that you wish you had that you don't have right now? Like, you mean from what's available? No, it's not available yet, yeah. Oh, oh, I see. Your dream technology. Yeah. Yeah, I would appreciate lighter cameras, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I use SLRs and, you know, yeah, light, basically, uh, yeah, the weight, it kills you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I don't know, technology-wise, like, I mean, I don't even use the top-notch DSLRs that are available today. I use a smaller, you know, full-frame camera, and I use, like, one body, which is not very usual. Usually people go out with two. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I would appreciate lighter gear. Let's do it. Let's, before we end this, I mean, we're, we're at the end of the show now. I want to do a quick roundtable of uh, what you guys are shooting with. Sirkan, you mentioned you're shooting with an SLR. What specifically, what are you shooting with when you go out and what, what lenses do you bring with you? Uh, my, my current setup is I have a Nikon D750 uh, camera body and I have a 70 to 200 f 2.8 lens and a 24 to 70 f 2.8 lens and I have a little computer uh, in my bag and I use my I use my cell phone to uh, transmit photos I use the uh, uh, basically uh, I enable Wi-Fi on my cell phone which I connect to with my computer and uh, transmit photos to the uh, to the client. That's oh. how I work. Love it. Perfect. Joe, what about you? What do you? What's your go-to kit? 
Um, well, I, I have uh, I just have one body. I use my D seven thousand. I got uh, six prime lenses. I prefer to shoot prime so I can get up pretty close to stuff. Um, so yeah, I've got a I got a fantastic Tamron fourteen millimeter. That's like it's like my baby. That that's my I love it. I'm I'm not a big fan of off brand lenses, but this this fourteen millimeter Tamron is fantastic. Um, so I've got the sixty. These are all Nikkor, sixty thirty five fifty and the twenty eight. And then, and then just the body I use. Um, so, cool. and my bag. I mean, my bag survived. Sir Khan can attest. Uh, dancing with the police department. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the bag was actually most the most important. It protected all my lenses and stuff when I fell on it. So, wow. Um, and what what bag was that? Um, I'm not. I don't even actually sure the brand. Um, I'll I'll find it and put it on the twip. I'll, I'll put it up on the Facebook. Yeah, put it on. The, yeah, put it somewhere to. so we can see that. I'd be interested to know what. Sur- and you're still using that same bag after that. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, after that dance. Definitely, definitely. Love it. And um, Audrey, what about you? What what's your what's your go to kit? I've always shot with a Nikon D90, and I actually like to use. I mean, like on principle, I prefer prime lenses, but I actually like to use the just the kit lens that came with the Nikon D90 because it goes all the way down to 18 millimeter and I really like to shoot wide and like that's the the widest lens that I have access to so that's what I usually shoot with love it love it so far we're at uh we're three for three on Nikon Matt what, <laughs> yeah, what, do, what do you shoot with? four for four I'm, I have the I have a d810 and the d800 my workhorse is the 3518 uh, I'm also for yeah, the most good. part prime lenses uh but I do have an old 80 to 200 that's older than my career because when I bought it, I was in college and it was used. <laughs> but that thing is uh, kept up with me. It's uh, I like it because it's super light. It's a light 80 to 200. I also have uh, the 28 1.8, the 58 1.4. That lens is beautiful when it wants to be, <laughs> and um, an 85 1.8. Those are those are my lenses. Love it. Nobody's mentioned strobes, so no one. You're not running around. I was a, I was about to. Good. <laughs> I have, yeah, go for it. I have I have Einstein's. I have two Einstein's and four Alien Bs, um, and I have the SB nine ten, SB eight hundred, and the SB nine hundred. Nice. And I use the uh, I try to use the uh, high speed sync with the the flex the Pocket Wizard flex system as mm-hmm. much as I can. Yep. Although I'm totally eyeballing, if if I get if I get a lot more money this year, I'm eyeballing the um, the the B ones. I might sell all my stuff and get the Profoto B ones. Mm. And I'm also eyeballing the the Pentax digital medium format. That looks super cool. The Z, not the not the D, but the Z. You know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. I'm not familiar with it. Oh wait, wait, wait! You've outstumped. This is great. This is an epic moment. You've outstumped Frederick on the gear stuff. <laughs> he, he, hey, that's a myth. Silent. That is a myth, man. I am not. I I do not have gear acquisition syndrome. <laughs> the the, the Pentax six forty five Z. Um, I think it's six forty five. Is uh, it's it's it, it shoots with from like eighty ISO up to like two hundred twenty five thousand ISO. Just incredible latitude. You got to deal with the Pentax lenses, and then I have like I think the Pentax because it's it's a medium format, but it's still a cropped sensor for medium format. It's still way bigger than a thirty-five, but you still get the back focusing problems when you put like the old made for made for film lenses on the new digital body. You still yeah. get some back focusing problems with it. 
but they make new ones that are really expensive also. But from what I from everyone everyone who tells me they shot with that one or the the earlier one, they're just like, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, but eight thousand dollars, eight thousand dollars for a medium format camera is a really good deal. It's a great deal, medium yeah. format digital camera. It's still a lot of money though. Plus, you yeah, get especially a especially yeah, it's, coming it's off of the conversation grand. about how much money you can or can't make in this industry, eight <laughs> grand is uh, is a chunk of change. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. All right, guys, we're we're at the end of the show here. Matt, you're on a roll here. I want to I want to give you a chance to let folks know where they can go check out some of the work that you do and maybe you know contract you if they need you what's a what's a good location to oh, keep up with you it's easy everything is matt roth photo m-a-t-t-r-o-t-h-p-h-o-t-o roth like david lee don't forget it, it. um uh, so yeah matt roth photo.com twitter instagram tumblr all at matt roth photo uh facebook.com slash at uh, Matt Roth Photo. Oh, that's up at Matt Roth Photo. I got lucky on that. that yeah, one. and we'll we'll link we'll link to all the all your stuff in the show notes for this. And uh, what do you have coming up in the next months? You know, the coming months. Anything? Any big projects? Well, I, we mentioned it earlier. I'm working on. I'm slowly working on a Micronation project. Uh, micronations are okay. So when I say Micronations, people think, oh, you're talking about secessionists, and like, mm-hmm. no, it's more of satirists. Um, but oh man, I need to I need to figure out an elevator pitch for this because it's always kind of long. <laughs> yeah, we need to know that. I'm curious. What is? Yeah, give, yeah, give us the quick elevator pitch of what a micronation is, other it's than kind of, like Smurfs or something. What is it? No, no, it's kind of like model UN, but for your own uh, your own declared land of sovereignty, and it it varies. A lot of them are super different from the other ones. So like, there's one place that's pretty famous. It's called the Republic of Malassia, and it's out. Well, I'll say it's surrounded by this, the great state of Nevada, and um, and it the land the territory consists of this house and the yard and this guy his name is he's President Kevin Baugh of the Republic of Malaysia, and he's made a little a little town. He's got the Red Square. Um, he's got a trading post, a post office, a bank. Um, they have their own currency. All that they they do they do. I can't remember the name of it right now, but I know it's based off of the cookie dough standard. Wow. Okay. So I think that tells you a lot about yeah. how. So it's it's a very serious endeavor, but it's also not a serious thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. Have That's ever, cool. Ever, ever been to someone's house who has like a, just a ridiculous train set in their basement? It takes up the whole thing, and maybe it goes upstairs and all that stuff. You like pro- wait, you have a problem with that? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just saying, right? As, a, as, a, as something to relate to, like that's a serious endeavor. But like, you know, it's train sets. You yeah. can't really take it too seriously. So there's other people who like have claimed sovereignty on the planet Pluto. Oh. Uh, a lot of teenagers get into it because they think it's kind of fun. I just got back from Microcon 2015, and there was this, this kid from, uh, he's King. I forgot his name. He was the king of Breslavia. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, he did this uh, presentation on the, on the economics of micronations and how to help them out. And he, he actually proposed a trade coalition. <laughs> wow. I got to look that up. That sounds really interesting. Right? It's, At least it's really a little fun. subculture, right? The best part for me as a visual person is, the, is all the regalia that people get dressed up in. So that's, that's really fun. Um, yeah. The other thing I'm working on right now is um, if you go to my website, you can see the Republic of Malaysia. It's one of the galleries there. I haven't put up the microcon stuff yet, 
Um, but I'm also working on uh, the 24 Hours of Lemons races. Has anyone heard of this? The no. Lemons race? No. I have so, not, no. No, Matt, so, Matt, why don't you tell an entire audience of photographers exactly what it is? <laughs> they can run out and do it. You're like, get, run it. Here's exactly. to get there. <laughs> Everyone's taking notes on your project. Oh, yeah. I'm to get out there. <laughs> well, well, that's the other thing is I, I kind of want, want this to be promoted. You know, as, This is my way of promoting the stuff that I'm working on because a lot of these – that's one of the things I learned from going to like uh, portfolio reviews. Another good way to learn about um, – about getting into this this line of business is going to portfolios and hearing what people say. They say that, um, you know, you get to a certain point, you can do an assignment, it's not a big deal. People will hire you based more on what you do on your personal projects. So, so like, I, I'm, you know, I'm making a little bit of money from these personal projects, and that, that's great, but I never expect them to pay for themselves. And if they do, that's amazing. But what I, what I want those to do is to help um, get me more work a daily work that's like that you know like uh like i would like joe's joe's work is well he definitely has a sense of humor but not the not the city paper documentary gritty stuff like his more like more like art-based gallery stuff like his uh um oh man what is it the angels the oh the killer angels yeah angels i love that stuff i mean there's an implied sense of humor to, to that to that work my stuff's funny too but you know, I mean, it's it's just kind of like a goofy sense of humor. And then I want to get work like that. Like, that's the kind of stuff I want to get. I want to get stuff that's kind of fun and frivolent and, you know. But then I get I get sent to, you know, sometimes I get sent to, like, poverty stories, which is fine. I, I have no problem shooting those, you know. And I try to, I try to, like... You got to be diverse, right? You, you, you're a photographer. You go where the You go where the finger points, right? Well, there's an argument against that as well, which I, I think is a super valid one. If you if you know exactly what kind of photography you want to do, then you should just do that. Um, yeah. buddy, a buddy of mine, Ben Rasmussen, is like he has a very specific way he shoots stuff, a very specific kind of stuff that he shoots. But he'll get assignments because he's in Denver, and he's like, "This makes no sense. Why would you hire me? Have you seen my? Haven't you seen my website?" <laughs> Yeah. And they're like, well, we read about you on PDN. And, and so then he gets like assignments that make no sense. And, you know, he'll shoot it. It'll get published. It'll never show up on his website. And, you know, like I shoot a lot of stuff that I don't ever show off aside from what it, when it, when it just like, uh, when it just comes out. But like you have to cultivate a kind of a look. And I was looking at Audrey's website and, and I would say, Audrey, you definitely have a look. Well, that's a good oh, segue, you. Audrey. Audrey, what about you? Where uh, where can people go to connect with you and and see some of that work? Oh well, um, you can go to www.audreygatewood.com um, or just Google Audrey Gatewood. I have a website. I have a Flickr, which is more like just a, a dumping zone for a bunch of pictures. But if the more organized version is uh, my website under my name. Very cool. Very cool. Well, best of luck to all the stuff that you, you're doing as well. So, and and keep pushing. Don't let these guys uh, discourage <laughs> you with their negativity. You know, you're going to be awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Sir Khan, what about you? What's uh, what's a good place for you for folks to go check out your stuff? Yeah, it's my middle name. I'm my, my last name.com. It's SirKhanGurbuz.com. It's S-E-R-K-A-N-G-U-R-B-U-Z.com. That's my website. It's it's not very up to date, but it's okay, I guess. And uh, my Twitter handle is G U R B U Z 
photo. Uh, basically, it's Kurbus photo. Mm-hmm. My uh, my last name and photo. So uh, if you or you can just Google my name and I'm sure it would show up. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely link to you too, so people can mm-hmm. get to your stuff yeah. easily. And what yeah. do you, and Sir what do you have coming up in the in the next month or so? Well, I don't have anything planned. I'm just you know on call basically if yeah. I receive business. As uh, usual, but I'm not. Right? I I'm not. I'm not. You know. Uh, I I don't have anything. Any project, personal project planned, uh, and I'm just available for for assignments. Very cool. And we'll we'll link to your site so people can hire you for those assignments from the Thank you. The really appreciate that. Yeah, no worries. No worries. And last but not least, Mr. Joe Giordano, the catalyst and the spark for this particular conversation. Joe, what about you, man? Where where should people go and what do you got coming up? Um well my my, my professional name is is JM Giordano, so it's JM Giordano Photography uh, dot com, which I really have to get my Freddie Gray stuff up there on my website. Um and I, I love I love more Instagram. Bring them to me, JM Giordano Photo and uh, JMG Pics for Twitter. And right now I'm working on this Tumblr uh, project called uh, Gray and Black and White, where mm-hmm. it's uh, my black and white stuff from the Freddie Gray uh, incidences. Really and good. then I have to finally get my lazy butt back in gear and get this Killer Angels book out because it's <laughs> it's way overdue. So also really good. Um, yeah, so those are those are the two things that I'm I'm really focusing on now. Love it. Love it. Well, thanks to all of you guys for coming on the show. This is, I think, I think anybody that's considering photojournalism or just wanted to get inspired and kind of get a, an inside look at how things work. I think this was a perfect episode for that. You guys are, thank you for being so candid and, and giving of your time. And we spent an hour and a half talking about this stuff. So thanks a lot. I appreciate it. It's all night, man. I love this. I know, right? That's, that's what's good about TWIP. It's just people that like the same stuff talking about it. It's awesome. Yeah. It's That's awesome. Cool. Thanks, Frederick. Hey, you're welcome. Yeah, thank you. You're thank welcome. you, Frederick. You guys, you guys rock. And to our listeners, we are at the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. I want to thank our sponsors for their huge support of the show. And also, listeners, be sure to check out our website over at thisweekinphoto.com. You can subscribe to this or all of our shows at thisweekinphoto.com slash subscribe. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production. Produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.